We are doing part two today of a two-part series on Jesus as the day spring from on high. The theme is light. And before I read uh, today's scripture, which we're actually taking from the second chapter of Philippians, I want to do just a little bit of review where we came from from last Sunday, for those of you who were here or those of you who weren't. Uh, We looked last Sunday at the first chapter of Luke, and we talked about how it was so long, about 80 verses long, because it was the story of the gospel, of the announcement of the gospel, of uh, the angel Gabriel appearing first to Zechariah, who became the father of John the Baptist, uh, announcing the birth of John the Baptist, and how at first in a very human way, John, because he was very old and his wife was very old, didn't believe that this was going to happen. How can this be? And God, uh, the angel Gabriel had told him, uh, you're not going to be able to speak until this comes true. And in fact, uh, after John had been born and uh, appeared at the eighth day at the temple for the circumcision, Zachariah's mouth was opened up and the Holy Spirit spoke through him prophetically about Jesus who was to come and who by the mercy of the Heavenly Father was to be the day spring on high who visits us. He would be the rising sun coming into the world. He would be the light that gives light to everyone who comes to faith in him. And so we looked some at that. We, we talked about him coming into the world, him bearing witness to himself that he was the light of the world uh, and saying to the, those skeptics that there are two witnesses which Jewish law required, the Heavenly Father and himself, and that he, in fact, was the light of the world coming into the world. Jesus bearing witness to himself. And then we looked at the fact that in you know, just a, an amazing experience, a transformative experience for Peter, James, and John, as recorded in Matthew 17, when he, they accompanied him to the mountain, which we know as the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus became transformed, transfigured in front of them, glowing white. And the voice from heaven came and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Two witnesses, the Father and Jesus himself. And the way this, we can only imagine if we had been with Jesus when this happened. You see the, how this resonates later on uh, in their lives. In Scripture, when in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, John says, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the light that lights everyone who comes to faith. This is the light of the world. And then also Peter, later on in his life. We looked at that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21, where he says, we weren't following. Our gospel is not based on fables. And myths. But we were eyewitnesses of his glory. 
We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Um, And he's referring to this experience. Then he goes on to say, to talk about this as being confirmation of all the prophecies of scripture. We have this prophetic message, very certain, that much more certain. And now he's referring to scripture. You do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart by faith. So we see the destiny of those who are linked by faith with Jesus Christ as the light of the world. We see that destiny as those of us in whom that light will continue to rise until, uh, and we also looked at the fact that, uh, and this was referenced in the hymn we sang this morning, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. And we looked at that passage in Malachi 4.2, for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And then ultimately, uh, that our destiny, in the words of Jesus, is uh, that we will shine like the sun in the heavenly realm and the kingdom of our Father. So this is Jesus as the light of the world. Uh, This leads into uh, our scripture for today. We're looking really at Jesus coming into the world Uh, One of the more profound scriptures um, is the one we're going to read today that talks about the incarnation. Philippians 2, we're going to read 5 to 18. It's in the insert in your bulletin or you'll find it in your Bible. Um, Hear the word of the Lord. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. 
even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. The word of the Lord. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, we ask that in a special way, you, the light of the world, by your Holy Spirit, would specially bring the light of the knowledge of the revelation of Christ into each heart today. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. That Really, that hymn of praise that we read, the beginning of Philippians 2, reminds us that when we look at the beautiful manger scene, that that's the creator of the universe in that manger. That is the one, perhaps in some mysterious way, as we don't, there's, we can't understand the union of those two natures. Perhaps even as an infant in his majestic second person of the Godhood identity, he was continuing to support the world through his powerful word. We don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is this is the creator of the universe who came as a baby and the ultimate trajectory of his coming into the world, every knee will bow. That's it. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have this mind. So Jesus is the light of the world. Part two of the sermon, we are bearers of the light. We are light bearers. That's our identity. That's our new identity. Maybe we don't feel much like a light bearer when we get up in the morning. We might think, how does this work? I'm not feeling very light today. How does it work to be a light bearer? We get a clue right at the beginning of this passage. Let this mind be in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. When Christ comes into our life, he brings his spirit, he brings his mind, he brings the word of the gospel, he brings scripture. You remember that when he was talking to his disciples, when he was about to be betrayed and crucified and ultimately raised again and ascended to the heaven, He said, there are things that you don't really get right now. But when I'm with the Father, I'll take these things and make them real to you. And part of what he's talking about is Scripture, the revelation of Scripture, which we have. Uh, So as light bearers, we possess uh, his mind. And in him, it says in Colossians, are hidden all the treasures uh, of, of, of the knowledge of God. In him are hidden all, all wisdom and all treasures. So when we have Christ, he knows who we are. So we don't go off in search of an identity. We have an established identity right, right away. The journey to find that identity is our walk of faith which is a daily walk. It's to know him. 
as Paul says in Philippians uh, again in this same ver- in this same uh, book, that I may know Him. I count everything else as nothing that I may know Him. So as light bearers, our task is to come to know Him. We have new beginnings. Second Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. While it's important to understand our own problems of our sinful nature, the characteristic problems that each of us has, the areas of temptation, the places we keep falling down again and again, more important than that, keep our eyes on Jesus. Come to know him, who he is, every day. And as we come to know him, you know what? He shares with us what he knows. And one of the things he knows is who I am, who you are, who he created you to be eternally in his kingdom. Um, So we just show up for work. Our minds are to be continually renewed. We are to humble ourselves daily, just as Jesus did. Let this mind be in you. He, God himself, creator of the universe, if anyone had a right to hold on to anything, he had the right to continue to just exercise that divinity without coming into the world as a servant who would die. The scripture here says he did not grasp at his rights. Each of us has to ask kind of in the quietness of our own heart? Are there places where we're holding on to things that we think are our rights before God? Things that may separate us from him. Uh, Things that we haven't really offered to him yet. Uh, Parts of our life. The Holy Spirit will help you know if that's the case. We are to be humble and to offer ourselves every day as sacrifices to him. Uh, as light bearers, um, we have the work of light bearers, uh, and that work is always based on his work. It's based on that identity, who we are in Jesus Christ. His work in us, for us, in us, through us, as us, his work, what he has done, uh, is where the whole story starts. Ephesians 2 has this story. I'll just You can jot that down and look at that later. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And this is two of my favorite w- words whenever they occur in Scripture are, but God. <laughs> but God. You were dead, but God. Being what? Do we think of the Heavenly Father as rich in mercy or do you think of the Heavenly Father as some mean person? Lots of people even who come to the Lord can't quite connect necessarily with God the Father, maybe because of their own family experiences. It's difficult. There's healing needed there. Healing starts by realizing that Jesus Christ himself is the revelation of the heart of the Father. 
You see Jesus said, you've seen the Father. Again and again and again, we learn about the tender mercy of God the Father through the ministry of his Son in the world. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love with which we, he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, and elsewhere it says even when we were enemies of him. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. What we celebrate this season more than anything else is the gift of God. All the other gifts that we give and receive are about because of that one gift of God's Son. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now listen to this. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. So here you have the play on words of works. We are his workmanship. I've mentioned this before. It's from the Greek word poema, his poetry. God does not make junk. He puts his treasure in us. Our new identity in him is treasure. It's treasure. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What flows out of our identity in him and what he's put into us? Good works. But it's by grace, through faith alone, Christ plus nothing, as Pastor Chuck has said so many times from this pulpit. Christ plus nothing. We bring nothing. He gives everything. And we start as new creations, as light bearers. That's our identity. So our work then, his work in us, and then our work with him. And now we get to an interesting point in this passage, a very familiar verse for us, but we're going to look at it in a little different way. Verse 12 of Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for... It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, if you've been a bit confused at times by this verse, you might not be the only Christian who's been confused by this verse. Okay, whose work is it? Work out your own salvation. God's doing it. Okay, what is this all about? Um, An interesting insight into this verse is the fact that the word that's used here for work out your own salvation comes from a term that was used at that time in the silver mines, the silver mining business. When a vein was discovered of silver, they would work the vein. Work the vein. Dig it out. Okay. 
What has God given to us? The precious eternal vein of salvation. V-E-I-N, the vein of salvation. Never ends. Never ends. Gold. Pure gold. Part of that is who you are, and it's who we are together in him. So our job as light bearers, our work, is to be digging in that vein, searching the scriptures diligently, uh, learning it, memorizing it, storing it up, thanking God every day for the gift of salvation, thanking God every day for newness of life, accepting the role of a light bearer, and letting him work in the midst of our own darkness. This is where that passage that we looked at in, in, in Peter about paying attention to the word as to a light shining in a dark place. We all have dark places in us. We all have murky places in us. We have places that we don't necessarily know how to turn over to the Lord. He knows how to help us. It's not our job to figure out how he's going to do it. It's our job to show up for work as light bearers. And as light bearers, we hold the word. We hold fast to the word. I've kind of segued into my final segment of the, my final point of the sermon, which is that we are in our identity as light bearers, recognizing that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, which is Colossians 2.3. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, including who we are, our identity as light bearers. Part three, we are not only light bearers, but we are lights in the world. He is the light of the world. As his ambassadors, we are lights in the world. So as we grow in him as light bearers, we let him turn the light of his word into us and reveal the dark places, help us shine brighter, help us walk in newness of life. Part of this means storing up scripture, memorizing it. Uh, verses, yes. Chunks of scripture, maybe. I think there are some passages that you know of where there's three, four, five verses, a couple paragraphs that are so meaningful to you. The Lord has used in your life. Memorize it. Feed on it. And you know what's going to happen? You'll get in bed. Maybe it's a time when you might normally be worrying or anxious, thinking about all kinds of stuff. And as you turn to the Lord in prayer, and just say, Lord, continue to renew my mind. Continue to help me think your thoughts after you. What happens? Mysteriously, some scripture comes to your mind. It's the Holy Spirit who is bringing to your remembrance things that you have stored up uh, from the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord, the word. And he applies it. And you know something? 
the Lord is much more merciful in his surgery on us than we are when we beat ourselves up. You know, we can beat ourselves up again and again and again. And the Lord can know right how to just cut that thing out and deal with it. So we need to come to him. We need to let him do his work. Okay? As Christians, it's his work in us that helps us then to walk a life with the kind of impact in the world that he expects us to have. He shines his light not only on the areas in our life of sin and of struggle, he shines his light on what we're good at doing, who we are, our new identity. And this is where the second part of the the third point of the sermon, light bearers, This is a, not only an individual thing, but this is us as the church. This is our corporate identity, to be light in the world and to help one another. And that that plays out very practically in our own personal growth. Has anyone ever said to you, you know, I noticed you did something and that was really good. I appreciated that. How did you feel? It's a wonderful thing to be affirmed. And what can happen for many of us who have our doubts, we beat ourselves up, we don't think that much of ourselves. In the first place, I would say this. You never want to be on the other side from God. You never want to be disagreeing with God. God said, I made you a new creature. I have my spirit in you so that you can be a light bearer. Don't run from it. Accept it as who you are, as your new identity in me, and grow in it, okay? We need each other to do this. We need each other to do this. It's interesting, a secular psychologist years ago named Abraham Maslow did a study of people that he thought just seemed to be more effective in their becoming a person. And he tried to see what was different about them than other people. Remember, he's not a, he, he was not a person who was coming from a position of faith. He said, I've noticed one of the things I've noticed. This is just a secular person looking. He said, one of the things I've noticed is that instead of just looking at other people in terms of what they could do for me, they're looking at other people in terms of who are they and how can I help them and what can we do here? He said, the other thing is, he noticed something about love. It reminds me as an aside when we were working in northern New York State with um, international students who came in. One of the students uh, was from China and he was fairly high up in the Communist Party. And the last time I talked to him before he was going back to his country, he said, you know, it's been wonderful to come to these functions and with you Christians, he said, the one thing that I've noticed, he said, what is it about this love? What is it? He said, I want that. But he said, in order to have that, I know I have to receive Christ and turn my life over to him. And he said, that would cost me everything, right? 
And I said, yes. And sort of like the rich young ruler, he turned away. Now, God may still be working in his heart. He may still be doing that. He may still be working at his heart. But the other thing, getting back to Maslow, that he said was, people who love can see potential in other people that the rest of us are blind to. Of course, the ultimate in that is God knowing our potential when we're enemies and alienated from his life and coming to die for us, to live for us, to live in us and through us so that that potential as light can be seen in the world and for eternity. So we need one another. In the body of Christ, our love for one another is meant to be a very powerful tool. This is what the Apostle Paul is getting at. Let this mind be in you. Humble yourself. Don't think of yourself as better than others. Look for ways you can help others. Do it without grumbling and complaining. Like lights in the world. Like lights in the world. Um, so we need one another, both for exhortation, uh, when we can bring someone aside and just say, you know, I love you. There's something in your life that I think maybe God can help you with. There's a, there's a time and a place for that. There's also a time and a place very often just to say, you know, I think you're good at doing this. You know, many of us as young, when we were young people, struggled with, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? What is it? Sometimes, you know, the more options there are, the more confusing it becomes. Um, maybe you're in that kind of position. God knows how to use other people in the body of Christ to give affirmation, to help you see the giftedness that you have, uh, to help affirm it, to help encourage it, to help it grow. And then we are to hold fast to the word of truth. This is the light shining in the dark place. This is us coming every day to scripture, to the Lord. And we also hold fast uh, to the word, offering it to the world, the gospel. We together corporately as light have a role in this, as light bearers, to let the light of Christ shine through us individually. And he's going to do that. You know, we, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels, as we said a few Sundays ago. Common pots, but God shines through us. You can't have the eternal God in your life without it making a big difference. I would defy you to argue with that. If God is in your life, expect big things. If you're not expecting big things, then as J.B. Phillips said, your God's too small. You need to pray for a bigger view of God. So we hold, we shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of truth. And it is a corporate thing. We have to realize that we are his, his body. Our lives are joined together in him. We're a family. It's going to be spending eternity together with him in his presence. Um, as we close, what I would like to do is one of our most familiar hymns in the church 
uh, over the uh, decades has been the church's one foundation. What I'd like to do, take the liberty today of, I'm going to read you in closing a few verses of this hymn. And I'm going to change the word from the church to us as his body. I want you to just listen to this. Close your eyes, if you will. Just think of this as a prayer to the Lord. Lord, our one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are your new creation by water and the word. From heaven, you came and sought us to be your holy bride. With your own blood, you bought us. And for our life, you died. Elect from every nation, yet one or all the earth, our charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth, one holy name we bless, partake one holy food, and to one hope we press with every grace endued. Amen.